Hello everybody, it's John Hindover here and here's another special programme from Radio Show Limited and delighted to say that we're going to be talking technical here uh, with, well, a perfect, a perfect individual to give us the lowdown on VP Racing Fuels. Fred Terza is the technical manager and joins us on the line now. Hey John, great, good to hear from you. If you go back to your beginnings in uh, VP Racing Fuels, it comes from drag racing, Santa Pods down the road from where I am here at Hindoff Towers. And I know you know Poddington very well. And it all comes from that. Why then, having started mixing up fuel in a race shop with your founder, why all of a sudden do you need 80 types of fuels to look after your customers? Our founder uh, was, was definitely... Uh you know, involved at every different level of motorsports and every different application. And when I first met Steve Burns, uh, probably 20, 25 years ago, you know, I, I remember him, I recalling this way before I came to work for him that, that you needed to treat the race fuel as a hard part, as an engine part itself. And I really didn't quite understand that until uh, I did come to work here approximately 12 years ago and work for Steve. And then as I began my educational career about fuels, that it started to, the bells went off, right? And I actually thought, well, he was right about what he said years ago, that it becomes, let's treat it as a hard part. So, you know, in every different type of engine application or racing applications, some of the parts are quite different than others. And fuel, that's where fuel kind of comes in. If the engine itself is a naturally aspirated engine, we can build a certain fuel a certain way. If it has a power adder, which they now use that term very uh, frequently, whether it's a, a turbocharged or supercharged or procharged application, the fuel also has to be developed differently because of air inlet temperatures and uh, velocity and uh all, all sorts of little small technical quirks that do make a difference in the way the fuel is designed. So what we're talking about here, what you're asking us to do here is consider fuel as a performance part in the same way as you might swap out a piston, you might swap out an injector, you might change out a spark plug or a header uh, or an inlet manifold. Think of fuel in the same way and think of the fact that it might indeed be tuned for a particular application. The ultimate goal in any form of motorsports is to optimize the performance of the race car or the engine. So that's where we can come into play and help with the engine builder, the racer, uh, or, or the tuner. You might uh, have a discussion with them also about how the fuel is going to react in that certain application and what we're looking to achieve. What is the ultimate goal? What's the objective? Are we trying to create a fuel that may uh, deter detonation? Detonation is a big factor in, in every form of motorsports. And if we look, if we talk about detonation a lot, I'd like to say that there's probably several different levels of detonation from from initial detonation in an engine to intermediate detonation, which can be very harmful and affect the life of the engine. And then we go into what we call a high order detonation where we'll have severe engine damage because the, the, the fuel has either degraded because of uh, chemical 
reason because of its being under such great stress in the combustion chamber that would cause the engine to actually falter and fail parts wise people will be listening to this fred and say hang on though you want the fuel to detonate you want it to burn but what you'll tell me is you want it to burn in a controlled way through the cycle of the engine whether it's a two-stroke or a four-stroke or two-cycle four-cycle engine or even potentially a diesel engine i I know we're talking away from from what you guys deal with uh, there but you want that burn to be controlled and presumably to use up as much of the energy that's stored in every drop every molecule of the fuel that goes into the cylinder absolutely correct john i couldn't have said it better myself all right, so you've got, at the moment, over 80 different types of fuel. How specific can you get with a fuel? So you've built a fuel for somebody who goes and races at a racetrack, and then you go to a racetrack, let's say, that's another couple of thousand feet higher up from sea level. Would you potentially look at a different cocktail, for want of a better word, for that engine? Well, yeah, uh, we, we possibly could. Uh... Altitude certainly has a lot, has something to do with the fuel. Uh, inlet air temperature is also very important. The length and the, and the, the temperature of the engine also has a, a great effect on it. So whether we're in endurance racing or whether we're drag racing, there's two opposite spectrums there when it comes to a distillation curve. Now, do we have fuels that will actually uh, integrate and work? Yes, we do, where we could utilize a certain fuel in a very big stretch of applications. Absolutely. But then we also have some fuels that are very dedicated to certain areas Mm. of motorsports. Like I said, either drag racing or endurance racing or whether it has naturally aspirated or whether it's high compression, low compression, this all comes into play when it, when it comes to not only designing a fuel, but actually technically picking a fuel for optimization for, for a race car. Fuel produces power. You, you've used as one of your taglines down through the years, making power. That's what fuel does, obviously. It does a lot of other things as well. How much more does fuel have to do now than just make power? I think that as we transition from those older applications, and I'm not going to use the word antiquated because carbureted engines here in the United States are, are, are healthy and doing extremely well in just about all forms of motorsports. But when we look at the, the fuel injection side and the ECUs, direct injection, it, it, it can sometimes take a different type of fuel. So that's kind of sometimes where I can help the engine builder pick a fuel because maybe a certain fuel that they've been currently using for 20 years has worked well and now they've changed the application from a carbureted motor to either a direct injection or a port style injector and that may definitely be detrimental to that fuel because of uh, of several reasons because of heat because of length of time Fuel has to get to a vapor, John, right? So it's in a liquid state, and we've got to magically figure out a way to get that fuel to go from a liquid to a vapor. How do we do that? We do that by including air, right? So now the air mixed with the liquid fuel, and as those molecules begin to break apart and form a vapor, 
Now we're talking. Now, now we've got something that's actually going to ignite in the combustion chamber. And that's kind of what it's all about in, in a layman's terms, right? Let's talk about particularly IMSA, uh, where you're the official fuel supplier. Two different fuel types, E10 and E20. I want to get to that in a moment. Let's talk about octane levels. Now, only because I looked this up, I know that pure 224 trimethylpentane has a rating of 100 RON. Now, I've seen things over 100 RON. What, so you're putting stuff in to give it a higher octane RON rating sometimes when you're using fuels? Let's just talk about the MON and the RON and the R plus M, which, which is, is basically a combination of the two here. We see that a lot here in the United States. It can be confusing to the average person and the racer himself. So when we look at the RON number, which is very prominent number, uh, and I'll use the number 102 because of uh, Europe and the UK. Yep. Internationally, that has always been like the threshold for an octane value. But when we talk about those numbers, so the RON stands for research octane number, which is re- which is developed and, and utilized on a machine called a CFR that runs at approximately 600 RPMs. But there are two different style engines that are utilized to get to these octane numbers. So the MON, which here in the United States is much more prominent in the racing environment, spins at 900 RPMs, which is, you know, and it actually puts more stress on the fuel. So that number is always going to be lower. However, most of the engines that are run here anywhere in the world are under great stress in a racing application. So sometimes we at VP have a tendency to focus highly on that MON number. So now we got that figured out that we, we have two different numbers. They're developed under different conditions. There's other octane points of all of the components that are in a fuel. So let's hypothetically say we're going to design a fuel, John, and we have four different components that we're going to use in that fuel. Each one of those components has an octane value. Now, everybody thinks that the combustion process happens at one time, and it doesn't. It's it's different components going what we call critical at different times. And this is what we were talking about earlier, about controlling that burn within the cylinder. Right. So what we can do is we can manipulate some of these components in these fuels to create some of the octane that may not be that good to be canceled out by something that's coming along right behind it that may be able to slow that burn or control that burn better, the next component. So it it is a, a complete science. And there's a lot of guys out there that are a lot smarter than I have that, that know much better. And why is that important, Fred? We hear people talk about high-octane fuel, and, and, and we talk about anti-knock in an engine. Why is that important? Well, John, so what we're trying, we're basically just trying to do is, is to prevent the detonation from happening. Okay, so your octane, octane number is, 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 an, is a number that is basically telling you what the resistance to detonation is it, it's uh Got you. It, it's just it's a it's a number that everybody across the globe looks at all the time however 
we have different fuels that are designed differently that may look the same on, on the paper that we, we present to you or on a spec sheet. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way the fuel is going to perform right. octane value. It may curtail detonation a little bit better, even though it has a lower number. And that's important, particularly in high compression engines. And let's go back to our IMSA and race engine application, because what you don't want is what I very untechnically would call an engine dieseling up. You don't want it to spontaneously combust just through the compression of the piston coming up. You want it to detonate when you want it to detonate, controlled by the spark plug. So in IMSA, two fuel types, E10 an E20. I think the E20 fuel came about, uh, I'd like to say it's probably been several years, so we'll, we'll just call it several years ago, where uh, the IMSA teams were looking for something that had a, a bit more oxygenate, which uh, more designed towards some of the European uh, racing organizations that may, may utilize that type of, uh, of a fuel. Basically, that yeah, the E10 has basically 10% right. ethanol, and the E20 has basically 20% ethanol. Okay, even I can follow that. That's that's good. And where's the advantages in that? Well, so it's pretty elementary. So the the advantage of it is is it's it's a baseline fuel that they're using, and they would like to uh, make sure that they have something across the board that's the same consistency. So oh, if an yeah. engine designed and built in Europe when they come here in the United States, they want to make sure that that fuel is, is the same fuel. The consistency is very, very important to these cars. And that's why you see that the fuel is being delivered to these race teams by us in, in sealed drums, sealed packaging. So when, when the fuel is manufactured at the plant in San Antonio, Texas, it is immediately drummed off and sealed. The, the racer is getting something that is as quality and as pure as we possibly can give him. We know that that is very critical. Is racing and racing with IMSA in particular for you guys, Fred, is that almost like a, a big laboratory where you guys are learning and you, can, and you can pass that knowledge on? Probably what I would say is the technology that's gained through the IMSA series because of it being a, a very high technical form of motorsports some of that would spin off into lower tier series or mid-market racing types that yes so to answer your question is yes we we definitely keep an eye on what's going on with the series so we can continue to monitor and possibly design different types of fuel uh, fred ter is a technical manager for vp thanks for joining us man that was brilliant thank you john